0: I will admit to you today that when I get up to preach, when I'm in church, whether it's on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or whenever it is, I desire for the glory of God to come. I was talking to this with my wife yesterday or the day before, and it does not matter. I want His glory. I want His presence. Come, Lord. But I will say this, is that I don't want to usher it in by the flesh. But I will tell you this, as a young Christian, and I've been serving the Lord for a glorious 24 years. Some of you a lot longer than that. But I was taught early on, you seek the Holy Spirit. Know Him. And I think Jesus wants to give us that message today, the same that He gave to His disciples. Because it begins reading in John 15, 26, When the Helper comes whom I will send to you, from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will testify about Me. And you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. And he goes on to 16, and we talked about this last week. These things I have spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. They will make you outcasts from the synagogue, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering a service to God. These things they will do, to, do, because they have not known the Father or me. But these things I have spoken to you, so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. These things I did not say to you at the beginning, because I was with you. And I want to pause before I get into any of the points this morning, because I don't want to stay on these scriptures But this is why we give ourselves encouragement and warning. And I always say this, and I'll repeat it, is we're fickle people. The world has taught us to rely on emotions. So how I feel must be the way it's going, right? Like, how I feel is, man, woe is me, or great is me. It just depends how I feel this day. And we need to be warned that our emotions do not dictate if we know Him. Because you have a liar. And I think you covered this on Wednesday night. It speaks to your mind and and constantly. An accuser of the brother day and night. So that's just us as fickle people. But then there's a spiritual battle of warfare of, listen, you're going to become outcast. So I asked myself, and I asked myself this question. Hello, moto. I think that's going to be my new theme song. I love it. I'm just playing, guys. That's all. Please don't be offended. When I read this word, outcast from the synagogue, I said, synagogue i like, okay, he was speaking to a specific time and a specific people. And so I say, okay, has the hour come? And I would say, yes, the hour had come. For those who had killed to think they were going to be offering to God, right? So we know the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus. It fulfilled this very scripture. Didn't he? Thought he was doing it for God and and, and by God, and and yet he realized that he didn't even really truly know the Father. But here I want to say this is why did Jesus tell them this? Is because they didn't want them to stumble. And then I ask the question because we have to be contextualizing the Scripture and knowing the Scripture, does it relate to us today? And I would say it does. And I want to share this slide with you that I have. Christians have faced severe persecution before in the name of Yahweh, the one true God. It still goes on even in the nation of Israel today. Did you know that Christians are still persecuted all over the world, not in just Israel? And in the name of all law? In the name of Marxism? Right? And we see that today. Like, it's gone crazy. And even in the name of Jesus, there's been persecution throughout the church history. And I don't know about you, but I get like kind of like, just in my simple faith and trying to keep childlike, is when I look at church history, I get really concerned. Because all the abuses I've seen, even from within the body, supposedly the body, but they didn't really know the Father. But here's the deal. Know Jesus. Know the Father. Because when times of persecution come, or the testing of faith come, He is constant. And you know and I've talked about this a lot and so I'm going to stop here is that we need to know and we need to disciple people into the spiritual warfare and the battle that they would face especially when like I talked about this last week when they step out on mission. Anytime you step out you will face opposition. So the more opposition you face well done. Something is going on. God is wanting to do something through you. All right, so let's go to point number one. And Jesus says, basically, I'm going now, but let's read it in verses five through seven. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I did not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, would not have come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. There's a few things I want to point out to you from the Scripture. Jesus did not rebuke them for their sorrow. Jesus did not rebuke them for their sorrow. Jesus knew that His disciples were sorrowful. And last week I made a statement, and every time you make this statement, you have to follow it up with clarification. None of us are victims to our circumstances. Remember I said that last week? But with that, some of us have been strongly wounded. And I do not want, if you have been wounded, I do not want you to be under the the, um, guise or the thought that because you have sorrow, that it's not real. But Jesus wants to heal that sorrow. And so when life is really tough, We need to cry out for help. And we don't need to take on the victim card. Instead, we take on his identity and saying, I am in Christ, even though maybe I have went through something very hard, such as abuse. Either spousal or sexual, whatever it is. So I want to make that clear. But listen, in life there will be sorrow. And it doesn't make you less of a believer. If anything, again, I put you in this top notch of believers. Like some people think that the top notch is somebody that's moving in all the gifts. Or that show all the exploits or can see into things. And I will tell you, the top notch Christians are those who are sorrowful. Those who mourn. Those that are fatherless. The widow, those to me, according to Scripture, are the top-notch believers. So like I say, when my dad passed away, I just graduated to something even better. So sorrow is real. But he says this, it's to your advantage that I go away. And I want to say this. Is that if Jesus had not went away, and if you could turn to Luke chapter 11, we would not be where we are today. And we wouldn't be doing even better works than He promised that we would do. So let's read verses 5-13 through 13 in Luke 11. Well, let's go 10, but I don't have it up there, but 10. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Oh, I started in 10, didn't I? 5, go to verse 5, which is where I said to go, right? I'm human. I forget that. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, he answers and says, do not bother me, the door has already been shut, and my children are in bed, and I cannot get up and give you anything. I want to tell you, and I'm not going to get into culture, but us in the Western culture do not totally understand what is going on here. It's to have a guest come from far, and and open up and want to feed them is a big, huge deal. But the neighbor is persistent. He's knocking. And and the guy says, hey, nope, I'm in bed. All my children are sleeping. And I cannot give you anything. And I don't know about you, but I've probably said that more than once. And it says this in verse 8. I tell you, even though he would not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, that wasn't even enough. Yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish he will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he asks for an egg and he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I wanted to share that scripture with you. Because as we were talking about the Holy Spirit two Wednesdays ago, I could sense the excitement within the class. And it's like coming and saying, hey, here's some water coming. Like my one dog, I don't know what her problem is, but she will not drink water when she needs it. The other one laps it up all day long. And sometimes we have to lead her to the water and say, Come on, drink, but she will not drink. And I think sometimes the Holy Spirit, we treat him as this way, at this way. That he is here for us, wanting to give us a drink, and we feel either we're not worthy of him or we're not seeking him. But I want you to know today that you don't have to beg for the Holy Spirit. I've sought the Holy Spirit all my Christian life. There are times that I've went into fasting and praying for more of the Spirit in my life. Seeking Him with all that I have and all that I am. And I wonder if you have that same desire today. You see, as believers, it's our inheritance. Now, there are times that we give before God, and some of you know what I mean, but some of you need to understand this. You see, we're all in different planes here. So if I speak simple, praise God. But here's how we do it. We get before Him in prayer. And we ask, Lord, I heard Your Scripture this Sunday from Luke 11 that says if I ask that You will give me the Holy Spirit, I know You are in me. I know You have sealed me. There is no question, no doubt, but I need more of You in my life. Because what is happening? There is a battle that is raging. And it is real within the church today is that is the Spirit going to control us or is the flesh going to control us? I like those kind of claps. This is how we do it both young and old. Until we wed our altars again with prayers. And I would ask you to do it for me. I mean that. I mean this. Let me open my heart to you just a moment. I sometimes feel like Paul. taking on all this junk. See, you may not realize it, but I pray this is of you, Holy Spirit. You may not realize this, but in today's society, the pastors of the American church are taking on huge responsibilities. And I'm not angry, guys, please. I'm not angry, I promise you. Because we were talking, me and Alyssa, our church is doing really well in this area, most of the time. I mean, let's be honest, I'm not even doing well all the time. But you see, pastors and elders, they take on a burden that you don't even realize or even know. Some unseen things that you don't even know. And it's spiritual a lot of times, isn't it? Pastor Keith, you know what I'm talking about. Marilyn, you know what I'm talking about. It comes out of nowhere at times. This is why I'm asking you to seek God on behalf of our church. Seek God on behalf of your life. For when it goes well with you, it goes well with leadership. And vice versa. But you know, a, a pastor was on a call. I read this article. He was younger than everybody he was on a call with. Four out of ten of those pastors wanted to commit suicide. At some time since COVID has happened. So listen to this. Don't think pastors and elders are just sitting back doing whatever they want. They're doing the best that they can do. And we need the Holy Spirit to come and capture again the church. So let's look at it with the glass half full. That if Satan is hitting so hard, there must be some glory on the other side of this. But I will tell you, unless we seek Him, unless we ask, unless we knock, we will not see what we need to see. That's good. Point number two is the Spirit will testify through you. Let's go back to 26 of of chapter 15, and this is such good stuff that we got to read it over and over. Let it uh, wash our minds, wash our hearts, wash our souls. This is when the Helper comes, the Advocate, the Counselor, the Leader of our lives, and the Church. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify about me. Who will He testify? He will testify about Christ. And you will testify also. Because you have been with me from the beginning. Now we know that we haven't been with Christ from the beginning, but the same Spirit that is getting ready to envelop the church and the disciples, the apostles is living in us today. Glory! And it says this, when He comes, the Helper, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. This word conviction here can have two phases of it. First is it exposes sin. Right? So when you're here this morning, I promise you that I've not read your mail. But I have realized in the last several weeks, the Lord has spoken through me, and not even realizing that He's spoken through me, and your heart has been convicted. You have been exposed. And that is a good thing. It's conviction. It's different than condemnation. Conviction, you can run to the altar, run to the cross, you lay it there, condemnation says it never leaves you. It proves how guilty we truly are. So you wonder why the world hates. We're going to go back to the hating just for a moment. It's because of this, and we're going to move on to verse 9. Concerning sin, because they do not believe me. We know that Christ didn't come to the world to judge the world, but the world is already judged. How? Because they did not believe in Him. And the power that you have as a believer when you walk into a room you are testifying of the Kingdom. And God wants us to walk in the Spirit so the Holy Spirit can testify through us to the world. According to Scripture, we are His ambassadors. I've always felt this calling on my life, is that, and I think you should feel the same calling, is that I bring people to a crisis moment. What is that crisis moment? Are you going to choose and believe in who Christ is? Or are you going to walk away? Every one of our lives should bring people to a crisis moment of decision. And you see, the world... Who wants to have people in their lives that bring conviction? Titus chapter 3, verses 5-7 through 7 says, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, when He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I wanted to share that with you because our very lives should bring conviction. And it's not according to our works. And that goes right into the next one, is convicting the world of its righteousness. And he says that the Holy Spirit will do this because, the, uh, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. You see, Jesus Christ did for us that none of us could do, is that He went, gave His life, on Calvary, on the cross, as a sinless, perfect man, and presented himself to God on our behalf. But you see, the world says differently. And even within the church, in some sections, is, is that if I do enough, I'm righteous before God. But I want you to know that your righteousness and my righteousness is as filthy rags. And should I go into what that means? Nah. Because Romans 10.3 says this, and it's talking about Israel. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own... They did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. Listen, we live in a world system that is not subjecting itself to the righteousness of God. But I will tell you this, that as long as the church is in the world, all is well. Praise God. That's why we must not be silent. We have to speak. And you guys, this is where you have helped me. And I pray that I help you. Some of you are not as silent as I wish you would be. But it has encouraged me to speak a little louder than I would. And then maybe I have encouraged you not to speak so much. But either way, we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God and our very lives by the Holy Spirit is convicting the world. And so the world will get louder and louder. But we must get louder and louder. That is why worship in these days, of corporate worship, is going to be a key of breaking through. And repentance and prayer, all these things together. But Matthew 5.20 says this, for I say to you, that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribe and Pharisees, you will not enter in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And I want to say you to this this morning is that Christ is our righteousness. He is enough. And I know we cannot say that to one another enough, can we? We cannot say this enough, that Christ is enough. Because if you're like me, I feel like I need to live to this certain standard that I cannot measure up to and Christ wants to continually point me to the cross. And conviction concerning judgment, I won't go here because we've been talking about it, but the prince of this world has been judged and I will say this is that we know His end. The judgment has taken place through the cross. And we long for the day that when death will be put under the feet of Jesus for time and eternity, and then the gates of hell will be locked forever and ever. You wonder why there is a fierce battle? It's because He knows His day is short! So, I want to say this, what the Spirit does in us in point number 3, verses 12-15, through is, I have more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. All the truth. And He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify Me, For he will take of mine, and he will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he takes of mine and discloses it to you. And I want to tell you today that there is no glory to be shared with the Father. And I can honestly say this to you today, and I think we need, you need to hear it from your pastor, is that I'm not seeking my own glory here. I want to see Christ glorified within Cornerstone Church. I want to see Christ glorified within the Fox Valley. I want to see Christ glorified in Wisconsin. I want to see Christ glorified all over the United States of America and all over the world. But here is the case. He is being glorified! But this is what you need to know today. And just so that you aren't unaware is that if you live on your own island, Woe is you. Woe is you. You see, I kind of know a little bit about this, of living in a Muslim nation for eight years and being secluded from believers. And... But yeah, I really wasn't because our brothers and sisters were on our team. I didn't choose that. God chose me to do that. But if you choose not to fellowship with the brethren, you are choosing to put yourself on an island, and woe is you. I just had to say that because it's not right. And I say that to say this good stuff. Is in Jeremiah 31, verses 33 through 40, 34, says this But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them and on their heart I will write it. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. They will not teach again. Each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. Declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, their sin, and their sin. Uh, I will remember no more. Listen, God through His Spirit has placed the law within each one of us. Ezekiel verse 11, uh, chapter eleven, verses nineteen through twenty, and maybe these are scriptures that you need to look at later and meditate on. But it says, "And I will give them one heart and put a new spirit within them." And I will take the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in My statutes and keep My ordinances and do them. And they will be My people and I shall be their God. Listen again, the Spirit has come so that the law will be written in our hearts. Some of you may be questioning this morning and maybe you're, you're doing right for questioning what's going on. Listen. You may not be where you need to be, be where you need to be you may not need to be where you ought to be tomorrow you're growing you're growing and some of you may say well man I continue to fail I don't feel any of this in my heart but I want you to stay there. I want to say to you that if you hear those accusations and maybe some of see accusations do have a little bit of truth in them But see, we got a bigger truth. It's the cross. Is that you just need to hold on and don't stumble, don't fall away, because you are on a path that you are growing. Isaiah 30, 19 through 22 says this, and this will be the last scripture I share with you this morning. O people in Zion, inhabitant in Jerusalem, You will weep no longer. He will surely be gracious to to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Although the Lord has given you a bread of privation and water of oppression, this word privation—if you look at it—it is anxiousness. It is mental instability. Depression, anxiety. I know there's more to this word, but those words stick out to me. Why do they stick out to me? Because that sounds like where we are at today in America. That we have been given the bread of privation and water of oppression. But he, your teacher, will no longer hide himself, but your eyes will behold your teacher. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left, and you will defile your graven images and, uh, that are overlaid with silver and your molten images plated with gold, you will scatter them as an unpure thing and say to them, Be gone. How does this relate to us as Jed and Annalie come this morning? is that we need to seek the Holy Spirit. And I'll be honest with you that I don't always know what the Holy Spirit wants to do. But it's so interesting when I take time to listen and then I look around me at what He's doing in our lives, I begin to see more clearly. And each one of us that is a a blood-bought believer has a spirit residing within them. You see, that word believe is this, and we always have to call ourselves this, thing to be true, that you believe, and I'm talking about believe you trust. You see, believing in a God, believing in a Christ isn't enough. Because if you want to think of believe, it's putting a wholehearted trust within him. And when you do that, he writes the law in your heart through the spirit. And He begins to teach you and speak to you. That is why discipleship is so important. We know that. I don't want to get. But I will tell you that what is so much more than discipleship is when the Holy Spirit captures a heart and that heart longs to be discipled. You see, us as disciples, we think that we need to grab people and say, You need to be discipled. But I want to tell you this it is so much better when people are so full of the Spirit, they say, I want to be discipled. So, my question this morning to all of us is that, Do we want to be discipled? And if we do, we have the best teacher. We have the best teacher. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. No matter how you feel, no matter what you think, no matter what you're going through, He will not leave you. Same with you, Ed. You've put your trust in Him. He's not going to leave you. So what we need to do is we need to beg, so to speak. I just say we don't beg. We don't need to beg. But we need to act as if our life matters and counts on the truth of the Spirit coming. So if you'd stand with me this morning. We're going to just pray together and then we're going to sing together. But as we pray together, I don't know how to do this stuff all the time and maybe I shouldn't. And that's okay, but we need to seek God together. So, Jed, as you play this morning, just for a little bit before we sing, what I want us to do, the altars are open. If you need to come and you need to seek Him at the altar, do. Or if you need to turn and kneel at your pew, kneel uh, at your pew and pray and seek Him. But the point is we need to seek Him together. So let's just do it for a moment. Let's do it for a moment. Let's pray and let's just seek His face together. Let's pray. So as you go today, I pray that you are encouraged. And I pray that this week, you will begin to ask for more of the Spirit. And He has an unending supply of, for us. Everything that we need is in Him. And so as we gather next week, I expect a celebration because we've all met with Him. And that will be my prayer for all of us this week as we go this week. And I, just be blessed today and, and remember this, that the Lord, the Lord our God is one. And we are called, I'm going to switch it a little bit, we are called to love Him with all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. And then we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. So let's love well. And boy, do we need the Holy Spirit to love our neighbors well these days. Be blessed. Amen.